Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Six, four, Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast, episode 5, brought to you by 680 The Fan and Dickie Broadcasting Corporation, here to bring you the state of the current MLB labor disputes, which is to say, um, not much different from what we've already seen, a little bit weird coming out where it was reported yesterday, uh, and even this morning on social media, uh, if... MLB and the Players Association are able to get a deal done today, then 162 games are back on. But if they don't agree to a deal today, then another week of games are canceled. And if you ever had any inkling or any wondering whether or not this was pure posturing by the owners, uh, there is your answer. Essentially saying that what we said uh, last week and the week before that about having to miss games because we didn't get to start on time. So that means no 162. We're not going to make any games up. Let you know that, that was a very arbitrary deadline, which has always been the case. Like I mentioned last week, there's a reason why after Rob Manfred locked out the players that uh, Major League Baseball waited, I believe it was 43 days uh, before submitting a proposal at all for a new CBA. Well, that would be why owners are constantly saying that the first month to two months of the season is uh, not profitable for them. Uh, although there would be a very easy way to prove this, which would you know be if, if you're really losing money, then show your books. Uh, and if you're unwilling to show your books, then I have one of two conclusions. Either you're lying or you're using your baseball team as a tax dodge and you don't want the world to be able to see that. Um, that is about, <laughs> you can tell I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not overly fond of, uh, Major League Baseball as the corporation. Uh, They're about the only legal monopoly, if you've ever heard Ted Turner speak. Um, They're about the only legal monopoly that we allow, and as a result... Uh, you get things like when you come to a table and that and the owner side says, OK, well, uh, we have certain things that are just non sequiturs and we won't even begin to discuss. And those things are things like making sure that owners spend money to actually have a decent product or, you know, actually try to win baseball games. Uh, and these are considered non starters which is generally not a good sign. Uh, it, it's one of those where I do believe that if you don't have a winning team for a while, then your owner should be forced to sell. Um, I don't believe in relegation for baseball. I think that works for like college football, but it doesn't work for baseball. There's no feeder system. Uh, And if you institute a feeder system, all you're doing now is you're basically going to wreck the minor leagues. Uh, And I don't think that's something that baseball wants to see, but there is an easy solution. Uh, There is a solution that fixes 
all of those issues. And it's not the CBT, uh, which has been the biggest holdup so far. Players want the CBT to keep up with uh, revenue growth uh, of the sport, and owners like it to be uh, low because that gives them a kind of a built-in salary cap, where as long as 90% of the teams just don't go up to that mark, uh, then it, it acts as a salary cap with all the owners and all the front offices kind of knowing that, hey, we don't want to pay the tax at all, so we're just not going to get to that point. We're just not going to get to that part of the salary outside of the Dodgers and the Padres last year, uh, which is weird when you can say that the Yankees haven't gone over that CBT or the Red Sox or any of the traditionally high-spending teams. Um, maybe that was... I don't want to. I don't want to say for sure because he definitely deserved a GM position, but that might have been one of the impetuses behind the Red Sox hiring Hyam Bloom, who is a brilliant baseball mind, um, but spent his entire career with Tampa Bay, who has no money, and so is forced to do things through the draft and through uh, identifying one to two traits that can be used to make an efficient ball player, um, rather than a team that can really afford to spend pretty much as much money as they want. Um, now we can argue about whether. Being able to just spend a whole bunch of money or developing your teams organically is better. I like watching teams that can really the best ways to blend, but I, I prefer teams that develop their players uh, to teams that just go out and buy every free agent imaginable. I think when you do that, you kind of unless unless you're the Yankees where you have the most fair weather fans of any team uh, outside of Alabama. Uh, I don't particularly like just buying players you generally go through players very quickly you don't create kind of the lasting imagery of players um so i'm not a super big fan of that but it is important to note that when you leave that cbt so low and everybody's already treating it like a salary cap you might as well raise it up and you can still be treated as a salary cap so you can force everybody else to kind of spend at least semi along with it to, to make it at least blindingly apparent that you are trying to compete um but there is one solution that fixes that without adding a salary cap or a salary floor. And it hasn't been talked about by MLB and MLBPA, and I don't really understand why. Uh, the perfect solution would be to institute a reverse draft order for non-playoff teams, where the team that's the best and just misses out on the playoffs gets the first pick. And for non-playoff teams, you go down the list that way. The teams that got closest to the playoffs get the highest picks in the draft. The worst team in baseball ends up with the 18th pick in the draft, or if you go to 14 teams, ends up with the 16th team, or with the 16th pick. Allow pick trading so that teams that just genuinely that just weren't good, they can still trade up for higher picks, and that can allow those teams that just missed the playoffs to maybe get um, maybe get a veteran pitcher here or there that can maybe push them over the hump. But what you're doing in that respect is you're award, you're rewarding teams for actively trying to win. What that's going to do is it means that the the strategy of just sucking and putting on an inferior product for five to six years, like the Astros kind of made famous, that goes away completely because it's not going to do you any good to be picking 16th. Now, baseball drafts aren't they aren't as as they're they're the least. That's the right way to word this. They're, they, I, won't, I don't want to say the least impactful, but they're, the de they're definitely the hardest draft. It's the longest draft before you actually see a, a, a profit on the field for the major league field. You're usually looking anywhere between two to five years. Um, and scouting baseball players is way more difficult than scouting football or basketball because baseball is much less an individual sport than those other ones. And it requires... It requires being able to judge the the ability of a certain player to adjust. What you see when they're drafted is not close to their final product. So you have to figure out how much more do they have to grow before they get to the majors and, and can they sustain that. So it's definitely it's the most difficult draft. But 
we already see that the way that most of the league is working now as far as getting better without spending money is to be bad for five, four to six seasons to accumulate as many high picks as possible so you can throw as many darts at that wall. So you institute that reverse order. Leave it the same, leave it the same draft as normal for playoff teams. Uh, but you you reverse the order for non-playoff teams. And now everybody's going to start trying to to get to the playoffs because it's it's in it is nearly impossible it is much harder to intentionally finish 16th to 18th than it is to finish 27th to 20 uh, 27th to 30th it's it's a lot easier to just be worse than everybody else it is nearly impossible to walk a line between being just good enough or just not good enough to make the playoffs, but also good enough to be right there on the cusp. It's very hard to do. And it also increases parity in baseball because the teams that just missed out, they're going to be able to draft better players. And if you add the pick trading, that means teams that still finished, you know, at the bottom third of the league or the bottom, you know, the, the bottom five spots, if they want to be able to get that high draft pick, then they have to trade players, which means that those players, those teams that just missed the playoffs can get an instant jump from a veteran player and can use that to spring forward and end up getting to the playoffs the next season. You'll have more and more teams getting through into playoff runs. It'll make it more interesting in that respect. Uh, I think that that works out perfectly. Now, the owners might make that DOA. Uh, I think that that's, that's easily the best solution to all of this. They shouldn't make it go DOA because that's something that means teams will get better quicker, means more teams will make the playoffs, means more... More races will be competitive, more good baseball, better product on the field means more people going, which means more money for owners. So that should be that should be first and foremost in my mind. That to me is the easiest solution for any of this. If you change that one thing right there, then you've eliminated tanking. You've also eliminated a problem with teams not spending any money. You, you've essentially made it to where it makes it blindingly obvious which owners just don't care about competing and are just using it as a place to have a team and not spend any money on the team. But you, you've made it glaringly obvious and you're going to increase the, the revenue that you get because the product is just going to be better. It just works. There's no downside to doing it that way unless you say, oh, well, you know, what about the Pittsburgh Pirates or the teams right now that are so bad that they're not going to be in contention without those top picks? Well, in the short term, you're right. In the short term, and by short term, I mean probably the first, first few seasons, first two or three years of it, uh, then it's going to be rough for those teams because you you don't have much in the way of trade capital to trade up to there. You're you're obviously not going to shell out $150 million in addition to what you're paying your payroll already. So yeah, it's going to suck for those teams. But you know what? That serves those owners right. That that was their they tried to take advantage of the philosophy and you got to get rid of that philosophy of you can just tank in baseball, that you can just fill out an entire team for 30 to $40 million dollars lose historic amounts of games and get rewarded for it with a with a number one overall pick you got to end that they also should definitely put caps on revenue sharing where if you're in the bottom if you're if you're in the bottom five of the league for let's say four years consecutively three to four years consecutively you should lose your revenue share that that you cannot reward teams for actively being cheap and for not putting a good uh, uh, fielding a good roster that that you can't do that that's how you got in the position you got into if owners don't feel like it's disadvantageous to be cheap and to tank like front offices especially front offices if the easiest way for a front office to get a bunch of really good players and keep hold of their job by not going out and disappointing by spending a bunch of money by tanking and just accumulating 
players or high high draft picks through the draft that way if there's no if there's nothing disadvantageous about that then obviously they're going to do it it's the easiest way to get good in baseball the Astros showed us that the Braves showed us that by the way so you have to you have to disincentivize you have to disincentivize that and make teams have to compete so this is my one and only thing that I want to see institute a reverse draft order i'm I'm perfectly okay with making larger bases uh which is one of the things on the docket right now Uh, i think that that helps i actually would not mind doing softball bases at first base where it's kind of two bases back to back uh that would actually help with pitcher injuries um i think that would be a brilliant idea what the braves got incredibly lucky that max free did get his ankle snapped uh, in the World Series, but that's something we've seen happen to pitchers before. It does; it just creates kind of an unnecessary danger at first base. So I don't. I actually kind of like the bases being bigger. Uh, I hope that it should help with the uh, guys coming off the bag for 0.2 seconds when they're stealing a base or taking an extra base because they were running so fast and then being called out. Uh, I, I that bothers me to no end. Um, but I, I would like to see. I would like to see that instituted. I would. Uh, I don't care about the pitch clock per se. It's it's rare to actually, even in the minor leagues where they have the pitch clock, it doesn't really affect anything. It doesn't change anything. It's not really shortening the games. It's just kind of, I don't know, makes it look like you, you can't do as much pre-pitch ritual or whatever, but it, it's such a long clock that it doesn't really matter. It's almost like, it's almost exactly like a play clock in the NFL. Um, it doesn't seem to really have much effect at all. So instituted or not, I don't really care if the players get something for that, then cool. That's something that's ease that you could easily, uh, sacrifice to get something that you want. Uh, I, I still hate the ghost win and it's, it's the dumbest thing that the players have ever come up with. Uh, oh, well, you know, well, we'll 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 agree to expand the playoffs, but we think that the uh, the better teams in the playoffs should only have to win one game to move on, and the teams that are playing then they have to win two in a row, uh, or three in a row, or two in a row, two in a row in that first round. And I think that that's stupid. Uh, I think that that's a joke of a system. Quite frankly, I think that's horrible. Um, so I, I I would sincerely hope that we don't deal with the ghost winner, the ghost win. We had to deal with ghost runners already. I don't want a ghost win. And from the player side of things, that Max Scherzer is an awesome baseball mind, loves the game. But to me, that is the that is the worst idea he's ever had in his life. I do not want to see that. That is probably the only side where I am on the owner's side. That is ridiculous uh, i don't want to see that there that would be if if you were to do that then the players better be getting something insane in return uh but since it's the players proposing that they would get nothing in return for that they'd have to give up something else which is absolutely stupid i don't like expanding the postseason uh unless it comes with the caveat of saying okay we'll expand to 14 teams on the basis that we're going to expand the league within the next two years then you can have charlotte Get a team, uh, Nashville, Portland, Salt Lake City, uh, Vancouver, Montreal. Pick pick any number of teams. You can inst- you can add another two or four teams to the league. I think that would be cool. Uh, there there's certainly it'd be nice to grow the game. Of baseball adds more more spots um, and just more teams. More teams. More more baseball fans that from places that don't traditionally have Major League Baseball. I think that'd be cool. I'm okay with that. Uh, but but. You have to take care of the tanking aspect first. And if you institute that reverse order for non-playoff teams, you're taking care of tanking, and you're also taking care of the salary cap and salary floor all in one fell swoop. Uh, and it, it would be something that the players could then give on, say, the expanded playoffs for that. I think that that would be, that, that would be the best idea. Or they, could, or they could give up, and this would be the key there, if the owners are telling the truth or if they really do feel that the first month of the season 
is such a loss profit wise, then trade off the reverse draft order for non playoff teams uh, as a as a bone to go to 150 or 144 game season. Uh, I I like 162, I like having as much baseball as possible, but. Uh, the season is definitely going to get shortened. It's going to happen. Uh, so I'd rather make the best of it and get the the piece that I think would would be the best for baseball in and of uh, in and of that. Um, now switching gears a little bit, we've been talking about the CBT for or the the CBA negotiations for 15 minutes now, a little bit longer than I really planned on doing today. Um, but one thing I've started to notice that's very irritating right now is Carlos Correa, Clayton Kershaw, there, Trevor Story. There's a multitude, a plethora of great free agents on the market. Yet the only one that anybody has seemed to want to talk about for the last two months is Freddie Freeman, talking about all the different reporters and national guys and guys who are plugged in around the league. The only ones that you want to talk about is Freddie Freeman. There just came a report yesterday that, that the Tampa Bay Rays were interested in Freddie before the lockout. And that they offered him a deal. Listen, if the Rays are, if the Braves aren't going to pay Freddie like seven years or give Freddie six or seven years at the type of money he wants, you really think Tampa Bay, the team that traded David Price coming off of a Cy Young because he was too expensive, or who traded away Evan Longoria, the literal face of the Tampa Bay Rays lifetime? Like, do you really think that that team is going to pay a 32 year old Freddie Freeman any amount of money that Freddie's going to be looking for? Like some of these teams, when you say that a team is interested, Freddie Freeman is an MVP and one of the best offensive players in baseball. Literally every team is interested in Freddie. That is a worthless thing to even bring up. Unless you're going to bring me what was actually offered and show me that it was an actual good offer, then it's no different than when people were saying that the Braves were interested in in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado when they were never going to happen because they offered those two three-year deals. Like they offered Manny Machado three years and 90 million. Same thing with Bryce Harper. Like those deals were never going to get it done. So you might as well have just not even wasted the time to put that out there. Like that's... That's not what, what you should mean when you say they're interested in somebody. It should be like an actual competitive offer. If it's not a competitive offer, then don't tell me that the team is interested because all you're doing is looking for clicks, and it just frankly pisses me off, and I, I don't feel like reading about that. I told you guys already, I think Freddie's back as a brave. I don't really care if anybody else thinks he is or not. It just, to me, it makes zero sense for Freddie not to be a brave on any level. Uh, you add in the 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 DH, then that's a, just another avenue, even though I think that Freddie would be far more likely to pull a chipper and retire if he was no longer near the top of his game and felt that he was no longer an above-average player. Uh, I feel like Freddie would just walk away at that point. He's got plenty of outside interests that he would like to spend time with anyway. So I think you'd be far more likely to see Freddie be a kind of early retiree, 36, 37-ish, if he did fall off than somebody that pulled an hour poo holes and just stayed on your team and ate that contract. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with that. I'm just tired of hearing reports that oh every team and their brother next thing you're gonna know we're gonna get a report that the pirates are interested in freddie freeman and they talk to freddie's representatives i will guarantee you at least 27 teams talk to freddie's agent i'll guarantee you at least 27 teams mentioned that they were interested in freddie freeman because duh a lifetime of hard work children laughing in the kitchen family photos on a restaurant wall a legacy that lives on it all comes from the power of a conversation like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Um, now, speaking of Freddie Freeman and speaking of the Braves in general, I like I said, I still think that Freddie Freeman is going to be an Atlanta Brave. And I think it's very important that he is an Atlanta Brave. Every every player that talks about it will, will bring up Freddie and talk about Freddie needing to come back, that he's the heart and soul of the team. And one guy that did that explicitly was Dansby Swanson. Dansby's a guy that quite a few people in the Braves fandom think uh, is, is the type of player who could be a team leader and a guy who could kind of take that mantle from Freddie. I personally don't know. Um, you could say that he's got a lot of big-time experience playing on really good Vanderbilt teams, being from Marietta, and blah, 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 blah. But really, you're, you're basing it on the Vanderbilt thing, and you're basing it on the fact that he plays shortstop. And you're banking it on the fact that once the Braves traded for him by trading Shelby Miller, they effectively started putting up billboards immediately and started playing him in front as basically the, the, face, the face of the rebuild. Uh, brought him up really quickly to the majors wasn't great for Dansby he had to go down and kind of readjust because he really didn't get any triple a time um he had to go down and, and make some adjustments but he came back up and he's a guy that that is very divisive um you guys know me so you know that that I've, I've not always been the biggest Dansby Swanson fan uh for those of you that don't know me uh, <laughs> I could guarantee that it's going to come up a, a couple of times in shows. Uh, I think if you're talking about players to upgrade from, he's the easiest player to upgrade from on the team. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's bad. It just means that I think that he is the the average major league shortstop. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the, obviously the Braves can win with him. Uh, and what he did last year was actually was very important as far as Dansby Swanson staying with the Atlanta Braves. He still finished out at nearly exactly what he always does, which is about 1.9, right around 2 F4, the very definition of average. Um, he makes some highlight plays defensively. He makes some bonehead bungles, averages out to being about an average, so to above average defender. I wouldn't call him an elite defender at all, um, but he's not going to hurt you there. He's usually rock solid. Um He's got some. He showed off some power with the 27 homers last year, which that was that was the thing for Dansby. He still ended up being a, a below average hitter uh, according to WRC plus. Um, but he he changed the way that he went about getting his numbers, and I actually think that that made a big difference. Not all not all identical WRC pluses are created the same. So for Dansby to to add the power aspect to his game uh, consistently. And to, to make his his qual his contact count, that was very important. And for a guy that's now 28 years old, that's what you need to see, right? In the prime, this is supposed to be the best years that you'll see of his career. Uh, and I'm sorry, he ended up at 3.2 F4. 2020 was 1.9. 3.2 is good. That's above average. I would imagine that's probably the high water mark for Dansby as he finished a positive offensive war and a positive defensive war. So about 98 WRC plus, so slightly below average. Uh, and a lot of that would, would come in. But the way that he gained it, I'm perfectly fine with. Um, 27 homers, 88 ribbies. I still think that he's faster than he shows in the base pass. He should be a guy that you should be able to count for double-digit steals. Uh, but the most he's ever had in a season is 10 in 2018 and in 2019. Um, you'd like to see the walk rate come up a little bit. I think that that's one of the things that he could really work on, too. Um, the strikeout rate, it doesn't look bad on the surface, 25.6. It was lower than his 2020 rate. It, they just seem to come in bunches. 
which is not a, a great sign for him. But his BABIP is right around 300, which it's been for every year except for 2020 uh, in a little short stretch in 2016. But his ISO did jump to a career high of 201. So he ended up at 248, 311, 449 uh, with a 322 WABA, 331 X WABA. So he got a little unlucky. But he did kind of show that even if he's the same kind of basic style of player, uh, the average type of guy, that you could still find a way for him to be more valuable, even if he's technically providing the same level of value. Now, you can say, well, the 248, he dropped below 250. You want to see that get up? Maybe. Um, but, I mean, in his career, he's had 232, 232, 238, 251, 274, and 248 for his batting average. I've told you guys already, I don't care about batting average, so give me something more important like his OBP. Um, OBP over the course of his career, and I'm not going to count 2016 because it wasn't very much. I'm just going to count his basic full seasons. Um, 312, 304, 325, 345 in 2020, and 311 last season. The OBP is what you want to see come up. Whether that's through m more hits or whether that's through walks, I don't really care. But if he can get his OBP up into the 325-ish, 330-ish range, then you're talking about a, a, a good jump from Dansby, and that's something that's sustainable for a while. Uh, the slugging percentage has been right around each other for the course of those careers. 324, 395, 422, 464, 449. So essentially, he's been the same type of player his whole career. Uh, he's really just kind of switched how he gets to those numbers. Whereas before, he'd have a little bit of pop, but not much. Now he just kind of, he, he's looked to make the quality of contact matter more than just the quantity. He's a guy that when he gets into spurts, he's, he's very prone to... to swinging and missing on sliders or once he starts overreaching for the slider to getting burned inside up and in. But he's a guy that over time we've seen him really start to flesh out parts of his game and figure out who he is as a player. I've comped him numerous times to Jeff Blauser. I think that's the type of shortstop he is. He's a guy you can win with for sure. Um, he's not a guy that I think should be anywhere near uh, the the level of Ronald Acuna or Ozzy Albies as far as um, people being upset and unwilling to consider trading him he's a guy that if you wanted to you could upgrade but he's also a guy that you don't necessarily have to i think a lot of it's going to come down to this season with kind of what he's looking for contract wise if you tell me that dansby swanson is a guy that you pay 13 14 million dollars a year for i'm okay with that it's not 14 i still i i view it as the high side but that's also with me thinking of contracts probably like five four to five years ago, not really today's contract. If you tell me that Dansby gets 13 to 14 million a year, I, I, I think that that's, that is just enough of me going eh, to think that that's a good deal. Uh, if you go under that, then perfectly fine. But if he, you know, if he's expecting 17 to $20 million a season, one, I don't know who would give him 20. Um, but if you start telling me that he wants 17, $18 million a year, then that's too much for what he brings you. And while he may be beloved by a large section of the fan base or by a certain section of the fan base, that's money that'd be better spent elsewhere. If you're going to tell me that Freddie Freeman isn't worth $25 million or you know, $25, $28 million in his later years uh, because maybe maybe he'll show that he's not the same Freddie Freeman at that point, then I'm not going to pay Dansby Swanson extra money when I, could, when I could really fill in for another slightly below Dansby level or slightly above Dansby level for relatively the same cost. Um, that's something that they can obviously figure out. Um, to be honest, a lot of my Dansby animus is not related to Dansby himself at all. Dansby's a fine person uh, by all accounts. Uh, he's 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 well liked. Uh, he gets along with everybody. Really, he's he's not the 
when when Ozzy first came up, it was the Dansby and Ozzy show, and then Ronald came up and kind of stole the show completely. Uh, but Dansby still gets on with everybody there. Uh, he, he's he's a very good clubhouse demeanor guy, and that's supported across you know his college years and and pretty much every year of him as a pro. He's well liked. Um, he doesn't really hurt you. He's just a guy that when you're looking at places to upgrade, this Braves team has done such a good job with developing talent. There's really not that many holes. There's really not that many places you look at and go, okay, we have to significantly improve here, and it's going to have to be outside the organization. The only the only spot you can really look at that right now is center field, although the Braves certainly feel good with Pache, Waters, and, and uh, Michael Harris, one of those three for sure. Um, you could say left field, obviously, depending on you know Marcelo Zuna, which is not a talent thing. That's more of, of – Marcelo Zuna was an awful person and, and deserved to get punished a lot more. And a lot of people don't want to see him on the Braves again because of it. That wasn't anything to do with his on-field contribution. As far as on-field contribution, Marcelo Zuna's deal at the time that it was made was viewed as a gigantic steal. Like that was viewed as a Alex Anthopoulos incredible moment to go 16, 16 million for a player that just dominated the way he did in 2020. Um, hasn't worked out. I still think we see Ozuna traded. Uh, I think you can see him traded and uh, depending on who you trade him to, you could always bring back Jorge Soler. Uh, you just kind of swap them out just like you did last year. And I, people like Jorge Soler better. I love Jorge Soler, um, but you'd be relatively comparable offensively. Ozuna is probably a better high watermark offensively than Soler, but Soler, um, Soler is extremely, extremely consistent, which is always a good thing from a power hitter. But you, you keep going back to one position. Catcher, you've got Shea Langliers at AAA. Now you already have uh, you have William Contreras, who I think he's probably the most likely to get dealt of any of the players on the Braves. But you do still have him there, too. So even if you want to upgrade from Travis Darno, you feel like you already have your catchers, catcher or catchers of the future right up at the right up the big league level. Starting pitching, same way. Relief pitching, same way. Obviously, Ronald in right field. Ozzy at second. Austin Riley at third. Uh, first base, if you're concerned about losing Freddie Freeman, sure. Um, but just on a level of talent base, no, you're not worried about that at all. So you keep coming back to shortstop. And, and that's unfair to Dansby a little bit. Because of the success uh, with the Braves uh, of developing basically all the other young guys directly around him, it kind of shines a spotlight on him being the the least of the starters. Um, and, and whenever you have a guy that's a league average or slightly above league average, you know that's generally not an area that you're actively looking to upgrade. And it's not like the Braves are actively looking to upgrade on Dansby. But on this team in particular, when you're looking around, that's one of the places that you can see someone go like, all right, that's somebody that we can, you know, we can upgrade from. We could get Trevor Story, uh, or we could have gotten Trey Turner, which would have been my choice. You could always get Trey Turner next year. He's a free agent after this year. Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager before he signed the mega deal. Marcus Semien had played shortstop for, for most of his career. Um, there, there were a lot of other shortstops that were kind of available. Um, that were just a, a higher level. And that, that's more of a factor of where the where shortstop is at right now as well. I think that's something that goes unsaid by me a lot of times when it just seems like I'm hating on Dansby. The level of talent among Major League shortstops right now is really incredible. We really are in the, in the golden age of shortstops. Uh, and if this were another time, Dansby Swanson wouldn't be viewed this way. Jeff Blauser, I, as far as I can remember, I was still young when Blauser was the shortstop. Um, but Blauser was never really somebody that, that you looked at. was like, okay, we got to get better here. Um, he was a guy that he was your shortstop, and he had a couple really, really good seasons. And aside from that, he was just an average starting player. And that's okay. You're going to have those on your team. And if you can tell me that Dansby Swanson is the worst starting player on your team, that's a good thing. That means you have a really, really good, really deep team. And that's ultimately where I think the Braves are at. Could Alex upgrade at shortstop? Sure. Uh, is he going to? 
Now with the Freddie Freeman thing on the table, there have been some, you know, some rum. Oh, well, we could, if we don't sign Freddie, we could just sign Carlos Correa. He's not giving Carlos Correa 10 years and $350 million. That's not happening. Um, Maybe he maybe he tries to sneak a Trevor Story one year deal and move Dansby to center field, another area that I think he could have handled. Maybe um, I, I doubt that. I I would bet if anything, the last position thing that they're looking at would be maybe a maybe a center fielder if you can get Brian Reynolds without having to give up a crazy amount. Which sorry for all of you people who are like me and want Brian Reynolds, that ain't happening. Uh, the Pirates are asking for Emerson Hancock from the Mariners, the Mariners, which essentially means they would want Ian Anderson from the Braves. The Braves don't have a pitching prospect that's not in the majors yet uh, that is anywhere near close to Emerson Hancock. They, they, want, they want a package that's going to help them compete faster because of how good Brian Reynolds is, and they should. Brian Reynolds is an incredible player. Um, but there, there's a number of ways that they can go. Um, I won't consider this an apology tour like I did with Austin Riley on Thursday, but this is kind of... I will be very honest. Dansby had no shot to be well-liked by me coming in. Uh, Angleton Simmons is my favorite shortstop of all time. Uh, Angleton Simmons and Raphael for call. Watching Angleton Simmons play defense uh, was one of my favorite things that I've ever seen. It, it really was a generational, generational defender. I think that you can make a case right now that Angleton Simmons is the best defensive player to ever play in Major League Baseball. Uh, certainly the best defensive shortstop of all time. And yes, I know who else is on that list nothing, nothing on Angleton Simmons. Angleton uh, has made some of the most insane plays look easy for his entire career. He makes some of the most insane plays anyway. And losing losing him and replacing him with Dansby Swanson was always going to hurt me. So uh, I'm not the fairest judge of Dansby. So I, I try to be fair to him because it's not his fault. It's not his fault that he had to replace Angleton Simmons. Uh, and, and just judging by their numbers, Angleton's defense shaded a lot of his other numbers because it was so good. But if you're just talking about an overall ball player and, and y'all better go ahead and save this clip because I'm never going to say it again. Overall ball player, Dansby Swanson is a more talented baseball player than Angleton Simmons. Uh, Angleton Simmons is light years better defensively, and that propels him to being a more valuable player over the course of their careers thus far. Uh, but overall, talent-wise, skills at the game-wise, Dansby Swanson is better than Angleton Simmons. So there you go. There's some Dansby love. Enjoy. That's the, that's the most you'll ever get out of it. But for Dansby Swanson, this could be an important season. This is the last year that he's going to have for arbitration eligibility. Maybe the Braves look to extend him this year. I think they'll, they'll approach him with an extension, particularly if Freddie leaves. Um, but even so, I think they'd approach him with an extension, something like four years and $40 million. Um, I think that's something that's a number they probably throw out for Dansby. That's something that'll get him through his age 32 season, maybe age 33. Uh, if you get him at 10 million, he would come back and say, well, you know, maybe I want 15. And you, if you can, if you can settle between 10 and 15, I think Dansby stays the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Like I said, it's not an area that I think they're actively looking to upgrade. They don't really have anybody behind him in the minors. That's beaten down the door to take him over. I don't think Vaughn Grissom stays at shortstop. I think he's a third baseman long-term, maybe Ambioris Tavares, but you're talking about another three years minimum for Tavares. Probably Probably more like four or five. Uh, they did just sign uh, a, a international free agent. But again, international guys, he's 16, 17 years old. So you're probably talking about five, six seasons before he's ready to supplant. So uh, for Dansby Swanson, is at the right time. It'd be a good, this would be a really cool time for to see him uh, continue getting better from when he did a season ago. But if he replicates another 98 to 103 WRC plus campaign, he'll end up being fine. He might still end up being the worst starter on the Braves team, but if he's the worst starter in your team, then you know the Braves have had a really, really good season, and that's a good thing to have. 
So I'm going to go ahead and end the show there for today. End it on some Dansby love. So uh, that's a that's a pretty big shocker for those of you that have been following me along from Locked On Braves and the Platinum Sombrero. Um, that maybe 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 Carter, my son, has uh, maybe calmed me down a little bit. But uh, we'll we'll discuss a little bit more. Hopefully by Thursday we'll have had some real news on this new CBA talk, and maybe we'll get it underway and start talking about the regular season because uh, I'm I'm ready for some games. We miss any more. We start going longer. I'll have to start reviewing college games on this. But hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back again Thursday right here on the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.